yeah, it's good to hear Sean asking for prayer. You know, we can ask for prayer at any time. Uh, I'll maybe start before I preach with that as well. It's been a bit of a torrid week this week. Um, I don't know what I preached on Sunday, but somebody didn't like it. And I've had a bit of torment this week. I went home on Sunday afternoon. I started getting a pain in my side. And that pain, I obviously wasn't rebuking it enough because that pain grew and grew and grew until on Wednesday morning, just for a wee while, I thought, I'm going to have to go to hospital instead of driving down to work. Um, but thankfully, Nunzi was with me. And it was like, no, you're not going to the hospital. You're going to work. You know, you know, you know I spoke last week about getting angry, getting angry with the devil. Anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I, I drove off down and uh, in pain. And then and halfway down, I received confirmation from a client that they want me in Northern Ireland next week for like three days, potentially hope for another good contract. Um, so when I get to the hotel, in faith, in pain, I book my flights, my car, my hotel, and I just made the decision, I'm going next week. And I am working tomorrow, and I am going next week. And the pain didn't go instantly. I can still feel it a little bit, but it's not pain. It's just there. I can, oh, that's nice. I can now go like that. It's love. I couldn't do that on Wednesday morning. Um, but, but pray for me as I'm going towards this business next week. Because that's where the enemy tries to get me. I mean, we've, you've heard my stories of vomiting before I get on an airplane to go to work in Sweden for a lucrative contract. You know, it's just the, that's the enemy's... You know, he's persistent, but he's thick as mince. But he just keeps going. So just, just pray for me, please, next week. Pray for Sean. Pray for me next week. Pray that this thing will shut up as well. Um, pray for me next week as I'm flying off uh, to do some do some more work. Amen. Sorry? Absolutely. No, God, this is God's country. Northern Ireland is God's second country. No, 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 no. no, no. I'll, I'll see you. No, it's Scotland. Anyway. Anyway, let's pray. Hallelujah. Let's pray for the word. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for our service this morning. Thank you that we've been able to get together and worship you. Um, and th thank you for the encouragement we've had from the saints and the encouragement we've had through the worship. But thank you now, Father, that we are going to delve into your word. We are going to plant seeds in our hearts and we are going to understand them so that the seeds are not stolen. So I speak out understanding in Jesus' name, understanding so that these seeds we're about to plant in our hearts will not be stolen. They will germinate, they will grow, and they will produce fruit in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn to John 11. This is the last time this year I'm going to be doing Simply Jesus. It is the pantomime season. However... We all know what season we're getting into. And we, yeah. oh no, he's not. We now have four Sundays after this 
until myself and Nancy fly off to India. Can you tell Josh, just remind him, I don't think I've told him that I'm going to India. Um, so just let him know. And so we've only got four weeks, and I need four weeks to preach on what I want to preach on. I've, I've really felt convicted this morning uh, of the Lord that 2024 is the year I get my book about the nativity published. So, and I know how I want to write that book. So I'm going to teach for the next four weeks. You're the guinea pigs. So I'm going to prepare this teaching for the next four weeks on um, debunking the myths of the nativity. So you, you know what's coming for the next four weeks. You know, he wasn't born in a stable. He didn't come to bring peace on earth. The wise men weren't there. It was just the shepherds. So we'll go through all that again in the next four weeks. And hopefully, I thought that was going to get a bigger cheer, but never mind. We'll, and uh, we'll do that in the next four weeks. So it, it's like, it's revision. It's revision for you guys. But I don't know about you, but I love it. What is, what's the word? Is it Peter that goes on about? Um, I know you know it, but I'm going to tell you it again. That's what I was going to say. So, yeah, that's what she said. So, yes, we know these truths, but we need to be told them again and again and again. Ram them, ram them home. And, and so that's what I'll be doing for the next four weeks. And I have actually changed my plans um, for, for this week as well. Because um, last week I did a really quick summary, brief points about John 11, and then spent uh, most of the time on what I wanted to speak about, about how we don't see any more miracles in the book of John. We just see Jesus speaking the word. He's not in amongst the, the Jews anymore. He's in amongst the disciples. What does he do for the disciples? He speaks his word. Um, so I, I loved that. You know, I said that was a picture of how we as believers, now that we have been signposted to Jesus, it's his word now that we need, amen? And that's, that's going to be the focus. Um, but I started by summarizing a lot from the chapter and just saying, well, I could have said this, I could have said that, I could have said the next thing. Well, I got some lovely constructive feedback on the way home in the car. <laughs> from, from my beloved again. Uh, she's really good at what I call constructive feedback. And she suggested, or, or more or less said, are you really just going to skip over all that? No, darling. I'm not. So, but, it, but it got me thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, was I just in a little bit too much of a hurry to push through and get on? Because I, I want to get on to John 14, 15, and 16. I mean, that's going to take ages. But you know what? After the constructive feedback last week, it's going to take me ages to get through John 11. Are you really just going to skip over all that stuff and move on next week? No, I'm not. Um, I did skip over stuff. I did miss a lot. And I did say this was going to be a series of simply Jesus, and it was going to, and it ended up us just working our way through the book of John. So turn with me to John 11, verse 1. 
Let us see what's going on here. John 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Never even covered that last week. So much in there. So important. We ought to start with that. So we see this man, Lazarus, he was sick. We're told where he lived, a place called Bethany, and that he was a brother of Mary and Martha. We're also told something quite significant, that this same Mary was the one that anointed Jesus with oil, wiped his feet with her hair. We'll see that in John 12, maybe in April or May, when I get there. And he gets this message from them. And and it must have been an important message for Jesus. So I believe what we see written here, I think they're part of his group, his entourage, you might call it. Because um, they use the word Lord in verse 3. Saying Lord. So they knew who Jesus was. They were part of... Um, Part of his inner circle, you could say. And it's interesting, they don't say, Lord, Lazarus is sick. They say, the one thou lovest is sick. So there's an indication of relationship there. And we know it's all about relationship, relationship with Jesus. So Lazarus has got that. He's in this relationship with Jesus. So is Martha and Mary, just to say, Lord, the one you love is sick. And he would have known um, that it was Lazarus, part of the group. So know what he's capable of. Know his power. Know his authority. And you see, there's, there's something missing from that message. Lord, the one you love is sick. What's missing from that message? Will you come and heal him? They're in such deep relationship, have such knowledge about the Lord, don't even have to ask the question. Just tell him he's sick. Of course he'll come and heal him. That's what he does. He's been doing it for, well, they wouldn't say this, but he's been doing it for 10 chapters. You know, if they had the word, like he's been doing it. Time and time again. They've seen it. They know it. They must be. Because they're so intimate with him. They're part of his inner circle. They were so close. They didn't have to say, please, 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 we come and heal him. They, they knew what he was about. They knew his character. 
They knew his mission. They knew what he was here for. They'd spent time with him. They just knew. So they were close. They obviously knew they would just have to tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick and he'd come a-running to come and heal him. But he didn't. He didn't. Look at verse 6 and look at the words carefully. See, this is what I'd done last week when I was meditating on this. I, I read it through time and time again, but I, I think I was reading through too quickly and I, and I missed a lot. Verse 6 says, he heard the news. So he'd heard the news. Uh, therefore, he'd heard the news, therefore, that he was sick. He abode two days in the same place. The grammar there says, because of him hearing the news, he stayed two days. Because he had heard Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days. I mean, what's going on? Why? You know, we've got to read the word and really focus on it and see what it's trying to say. That word, therefore, what comes after it is because of what happened before. Therefore, he stayed two days. One of your friends, one of your inner circle, one of your entourage, who you love, who calls you Lord, is sick. All right, I'm going to stay here for another two days. Do you not think a loving, caring, compassionate, merciful saviour, friend even, would have been straight there? No. One of your inner, friend, inner circle was sick and possibly dying? And you stay another two days? Why? Few options. One, he didn't care. Thank you for that head shake, Michelle. One, he thought Lazarus would be okay anyway, so it didn't bother. Three, he already knew he was dead. Four, this was a plan all the time from him and God that they'd make Lazarus sick, kill him, and Jesus would go and and Jesus would go and heal him. Look well, well, it's not as not as strange as you think. Look at verse four. When Jesus heard that heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 4 is often interpreted as Jesus saying, Lazarus is not sick so that he's going to die. The purpose of him being sick is to show the glory of God. And then people put two and two together and make however much and say, oh, well, God must have made him sick then. This shows that God made him sick in the first place for that, to show the glory of Jesus, how great he is. Now, we know that's nonsense. Remember back to Lesson 17, everyone, if you've been listening. Remember back to Lesson 17 uh, in Chapter 9. Sorry. Remember back to Lesson 17 when we looked at Chapter 9 about the blind man. Some people teach from this account 
that God made him blind from birth so that Jesus could heal him and show the glory of God. And actually, if you read the English in the King James, it can kind of sound like that. But I showed you in that sermon that you don't study a single verse out of context. You have to rightly divide the word. And that means pulling scriptures from loads of other places. And remember, we studied and we pulled together different scriptures. We rightly divided the word. So I'll repeat that. To say that God made Lazarus sick and die so that Jesus could heal him is terrible theology. James 1.17 says only good things come from God. Sickness is not a good thing. I could tell you that on Wednesday morning. I wasn't sitting bent over in the car in agony saying, oh, this is such a blessing. No, then this is a curse. Sickness is a curse. Deuteronomy 28 tells us that. You look at Deuteronomy 28, there's a list of blessings and a list of curses. Sickness is not a blessing. Sickness is a curse. And what does Galatians 3.13 tell us? What did Jesus hang on a cross to do? Free us from the curse. So we would not be under curses. So thinking about that then, how can we interpret what Jesus says in verse 4? It's simple. Jesus is just saying, Lazarus being sick and subsequently dead is an opportunity to show the glory of God. It was not orchestrated for that purpose. Sickness is a curse. It is a work of the devil. And it entered the world through sin at the fall. And what did Jesus come to do? 1 John 3 verse 8 said, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus doesn't put sickness on people and then heal them. He'd have to heal himself because he's a, he'd be a schizophrenic. He doesn't do what he says he won't do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Sickness is the work of the devil. Sickness is not the work of a loving God. Amen. You know, in, in a similar way, I remember at the time hearing preachers um, saying that God instigated the terrorism at the Twin Towers. I mean, oh, no, how? How could they say that? Now, I agree that some good came from it. People were saved through what happened there. I'm standing here today preaching because of what happened at the Twin Towers. Because it took me back into the fold. It made me think about my own mortality. What would happen to me if I'd been at the top of those towers and those planes? What about what would, what would have happened? It took me back into a relationship with Jesus. Changed my life, and I'm and I'm here. Did God kill all those people flying planes in there to get Vic to be pastor at NGF? No, but did God and Jesus and Holy Spirit use those events to encourage me to uh, question what I was doing to push me towards something else? Yes, they did, but they didn't orchestrate it. To say that God caused that is perverse. And it's not biblical if you rightly divide the word. If you look at James 1.17, Deuteronomy 2.28, Galatians 3.31, John 3.8, oh, 
rightly divide the word. He doesn't orchestrate these things. So you might say, so well, well, why did Lazarus get sick and die then? Because that's the way of the world after the fall. They're facts of life. Who happens? After since the fall. Sickness and death came in at the fall, and it has been a part of this world ever since. Doesn't mean God caused it. Now here's the one that'll frazzle your noodle. We caused it. But we'll not get into that. That's another sermon for another time. Yes. Sickness and death came in at the fall and it's been here ever since. Sickness is an opportunity to reveal God's glory through healing. Death is an opportunity to reveal God's glory through raising people from the dead. Doesn't mean he caused the sickness and the death. Just because he can get glory out of the healing and the resurrection. We live in a fallen world. Oh. But we are endowed with the power and the authority of the living God to do something about those things. Amen. No, there's a more plausible option than, um, than this being a plan or Jesus not caring. No, I believe it is option three from that list earlier. I, the list was, one, he didn't care. Two, he thought Lazarus would be okay. Three, he already knew he was dead. For it was his plan all along. Now, I have to say I believe option three, as at this point of time, up until what we've read up until now, Jesus doesn't explicitly say this, what I'm going to tell you. So there has to be some interpretation of scripture. And that's there's always an issue when there's interpretation of scripture, isn't there, Sean? Always issues. Although he does say something quite explicit two days later, but we'll get there. But right now, I believe he knew Lazarus was dead. And I believe he knew he'd not get there in time to heal him. But he also knew this, that he could raise Lazarus from the dead and he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And when he did, it would display the power and the authority and the glory of God so much more than a healing. He wasn't waiting for Lazarus to die, as some people might teach. Lazarus was already dead, I believe. So even if Lazarus was dead, he wouldn't stay dead. Amen. That's what Jesus knew. And we will, of course, see later on as we go through our studies, he raises him from the dead. Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And he did. He knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. And he knew the witness and the testimony it would be for some people. Now, we all know, we looked at it last week a little bit, the negative effects of this. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that. The negative effects of raising someone from the dead who was stinking. But there was. We knew people ran away at the Pharisees. We knew the Pharisees wanted to kill him. But others would have believed. From, had to from such a powerful miracle. 
Now, I, I kind of, I wasn't able to get my head around it. I couldn't fully grasp why he didn't go for two days. Um, I agree it's strange that Jesus waited for those two days. That's what the word says. But he knew he would save Lazarus. He knew he would raise him from the dead. He knew he would live. So kind of in that sense, there was no real urgency to go straight away. And wouldn't it have been more powerful to raise someone from the dead who'd been dead for four or five days rather than two? I'm not sure. But there was no urgency for him to go straight away. That's what, that's what I had been kind of thinking. I was waiting, waiting for this. He was waiting for the Sabbath. <laughs> that's a really good. Was he waiting for the Sabbath? I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe study that. But when I was meditating on it, I went and read. I don't often do this. I thought, I'll go and read. I'll go and see what Andrew says. So I read Andrew Womack's commentary. And he went, and, and it's, if you've got the, sorry, life for today, if you've got that, um, go and study this out for yourself. Um, and, and he talks about the geography and the timings. He went into it in quite detail. And by looking at that commentary and looking at what it says in Luke, um, it, 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 Andrew estimates that where Jesus was, the distance from Bethany, the traveling times, he reckons Lazarus would have been dead when he, Jesus got the message as well. So um, there's Andrew agreeing with me again. We'll, we see that all the time. <laughs> that kind of confirmed what I was thinking, but not conclusive because it, it's not explicit. Study it out for yourselves. You go and study it out. Look real, into it. Make your own mind up. You, you might come to a different conclusion, have different ideas. But I feel Lazarus was dead. Jesus knew he could raise him from the dead, knew he would raise him from the dead, and he didn't need to go straight away. And, and it also doesn't tell us what he was doing for those two days. I don't imagine he was sitting at the beach with his feet up. No? Was he preparing himself? preparing the disciples for the biggest miracle of his ministry so far? Was he spending time with his father? Was he in prayer? Was he in meditation? Was he encouraging himself in some way? I, I don't know. Did he need those two days? Who can tell? But it's interesting to meditate on it, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Anyway, he waited, for whatever reason, he waited for two days. And then he speaks to his disciples and, and left. And John 11, 7 says, Then after that, that's after staying two days. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. Here's another one of these occasions when the disciples say something or ask a question, and Jesus seems to just answer in the most random way. We see that all the time. Oh, what about this Jesus? And he goes into a parable. And they just don't get it. What's, what's going on here? They say, Jesus says, let's go 
And obviously they have to go through the Jews to get to Bethany. And the disciples say, well, last time over there they tried to kill you. Are you going again? And Jesus doesn't say yes or no. Well, there's 12 hours in the day. Now, if you walk in the light, you don't stumble. If you walk in the dark, you stumble. The disciples, the disciples are going, oh, not again. You know. But, yeah, he starts talking about walking in the light and walking in the dark. But I think this is an issue where we see the disciples and Jesus again separated on whether they're, they're thinking spiritually or physically. The disciples are in the flesh thinking physically. There's a danger, don't do it. There's a danger, don't go. And Jesus kind of answers them about spiritual matters and he's talking, I believe, about his mission, about his task. I think he's telling the disciples um, that, look, guys, there's no danger of me going back to this place as I am about the Father's business. There's, I am in the will of the Father. There is a plan. There is a mission. I have things to do and ways of doing it. And if I'm in that plan, in that light, there's not a problem. The Jews can't stone me because I'm going to be crucified. What did Jesus say? Ah, you know, no man is going to take my life. I lay it down. Jesus, in the center of God's will, in this plan, there's no way he can be stoned because that's not part of God's plan. Can't happen. There may be as there may be as many Jews, loads of Jews out there, with loads of stones, you know, big stones, like on we all know where I'm going. But they can't get him because that's not part of the plan. Jesus is doing the will of the Father. I am in the light, so there's no danger. When he's out of the Father's will, if 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 sorry, that was a huge one. Not when. If, if he went out of the Father's will, then there may have been problems. We've got a lovely bed at home. It's quite big. There's not a huge amount of space around it. And they have, it's got huge wooden bits on the end, just at the height of my knee. Yeah, just perfect. Perfect for cracking your knee off it. Now, funnily enough, I only ever do that when it's dark. Get out of bed, I don't need the toilet. My age, you don't need the toilet. Oh, and I'm waking up Nancy and crack my knee off. The... I never do that when the light's on or during the day. Why? Because I can see, I can see the path to follow. I can see the dangers. I can avoid them. But you do that in the dark, bang. I mean, there's supposed to be this thing called memory, spatial memory. I don't know. Mine doesn't seem to be working. I mean, I've been in that house for 15 years, and I still can't find the handle in the dark, and I still bang into the bed. Why? Because if you're in the dark, out of the light, that's where you're in danger. That's where, if you're not in God's will, in his light, that's where the danger is. And I think this is what Jesus is saying here. Guys, I'm in God's will. I'm in the light. 
No worries. Have as many stones as they want. Little boulders, big boulders. Don't bother me. It's going to be fine. I'm in the light. I'm not in the dark. When you're not in his will, that's when it gets more dangerous. The same analogy is, it, it, you only get wet when you come out from under the umbrella. If you've got an umbrella that doesn't leak, you don't get wet because you're under the umbrella. You're in the safety. It's like that. Jesus was saying, I'm in Father God's will. And I cannot get stoned to death. Because he knew what the plan was. The plan was crucifixion, resurrection, victory, glory. Not stoning. Yes, there would be troubles, but he was safe. In his will, in his light, that's where safety is. And it's the same for us. Now, there are going to be troubles. There are going to be pains in the sides. There are going to be pains in the neck. As well. <laughs> but you know, if, if we're in his will, in the center of his will, that's where it's that's where it's safe. Reminded me of Proverbs three. Proverbs three. Where is Proverbs? Yes. Four and five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lie in your bed on Wednesday morning with a sore side looking up appendicitis. <laughs> it was the wrong side, Eileen. Yes, I, 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 did, um, I did suss that out myself eventually. <laughs> it's the wrong side, Vic. But don't, you know, oh, it must be this, it must be that, it must be the next thing. Oh, I could just be that. No, trust in the Lord. He's healed me. He's made me prosperous. It's work tomorrow, darling, not hospital. That's the truth. Trust in that. So trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He'll get you past the bedpost so you don't smash your knee as you're going past. In him, through him, and with him for guidance, for keeping you on the right path. Direct the right way to go. So I believe that Jesus, right in the middle of God's will, decides it's time to go to Bethany. And then he, he pulls out this huge statement to the disciples. So he says, These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I might awake him out of sleep. And then this is another one. This is this is just brilliant. This by the disciples. I just love this. But the disciple then said to the disciples, "Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. And if he's sick and he's asleep, just leave him." Albeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, "Lazarus is." dead Jesus says Lazarus is asleep let's go and wake him up the disciples once again just don't get it and make a comment well you know just just showing how like far behind Jesus they were and what he was doing 
Well, if he's asleep, it's better to leave him. It'll do him good. I know that's probably great advice on the physical level. Because here's the disciples again, just thinking on the physical. Well, if he's not well and he's asleep, just let him be. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I don't feel well, I just want to sleep. Something she won't let you, will you? Know, you know. But you just, you just wanna, you just wanna sleep. But Jesus says Lazarus is dead. Verse fifteen, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. So Jesus says, and I paraphrase, guys, Lazarus is dead. But you are going to be amazed when we get there. You are going to be absolutely amazed when we get there. I am so glad we didn't go earlier. Just, just you wait to see what is coming next. Jesus is trying to raise the expectation levels of the disciples, who at the moment are just on the physical. Well, if he's asleep, just leave him. Jesus said, he's not asleep, guys. He's dead. Just wait. It's going to be fantastic. And Jesus has kind of said that a few times to the disciples through his ministry already, and he'll say it again, talking about his own death. Yes, you wait. See what's going to happen on the third day. But in this instance, it's just you wait until, until you see what's coming. Because Jesus knew what was coming. Lazarus was going to be raised from the dead, and the disciples would see it. They were about to witness and be part of the greatest miracle thus far in the ministry of Jesus. Okay, men, let's go, is what Jesus says. And more of that in January. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.